Welcome to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Salzberg, editor of the Herald Times. I'm here with our co-host, Mary Catherine Carmichael, today, and we're just going to open up the phone lines. So we hope that you're going to be our guests and that you're going to call us and uh, tell us what's on your mind. If you have questions or comments, please phone us at 855-0811 or 877-285-9348. Or you can send an email to noon at indiana.edu. Now, this is always kind of a scary show for it us. Is. We, we never know. Uh, we just hope people will call in. That's we hope they'll call in. We hope they don't complain about the newspaper too much. That's not the purpose of today's show. No. Well, there's a lot of, there are lots but of things to talk about. I do want to congratulate you on your new job. The circumstances oh. were unfortunate, very unfortunate. A bad way to get a job, but a nice job to have. Yes, Mary Catherine is now the uh, director, is that your mm-hmm. title? Director of the Leadership Bloomington Monroe County Program. Um, unfortunate way to get the job because the former director, Ilkner Ralston, a wonderful person, died last week. Right, uh, two weeks ago now. Two I think. weeks but ago. But she mm-hmm. has had a phenomenal impact on this community in so many ways. She was involved in theater circle and has had uh, several positions within the university and um, did a lot of uh, extracurricular uh, community um, kinds of uh, involvements. And I think just the fact that she she was with the program for six years and each class has, you know, 30 or so people in it. And so, you know, think of the number of folks that she touched that way. And so I think that um, she's got a terrific legacy that's going to live on for a long time. And um, for a little woman, she's left some pretty big shoes to fill. So I got my work cut out for me. And uh, but it's an honor to to, uh, have an opportunity to follow her. All right, we've got uh, a lot of people that don't want to listen to us. They want they've got, well, they've got things that they want to talk good, about, good, good. which is which is a great thing. I'm really happy that people are calling early. We hope they call early and often That's today. Right. So let's go uh, to Stan, who's the first on the line. Stan, hi, hi, Stan. Um, since you've been getting so much heat about the editorial about <laughs> overseas travel, yeah. by children, I wonder if um, callers who know what the itinerary and the purposes. Uh, of these trips are can come to uh, the phone and outline for you the educational value of uh, this uh, trip. Well, you know, you're, I suppose you're welcome to do that. You know, the, the purpose of today's program isn't to debate with me about that editorial. Uh, I really don't want to turn oh, it into no, that. I, but, I didn't. I didn't mean but, that. I okay. meant for people to call in and to inform us as to what oh, yeah. the children will be doing. Sure, that'd be fine. We would certainly take a call like that. Okay. All right. Thanks a lot for the call, Stan. Sure. Bye. Okay. And we have Marvon next. Marvon? Hi. Hi. Uh, my call was on a similar topic. Yeah, the go ahead. Uh, editorial you folks had had about uh, against a group of students at South putting on entertainment and charging admission to raise money for uh, for trips ed- mm-hmm. of an educational nature. Mm-hmm. Um, it's my understanding that the H that sports charges money for entertainment at high schools and that the HT supports that. Is, would that be incorrect? No. No, it wouldn't be incorrect. But, you know, I, I'll, I'll address this briefly, and I really hope we don't turn the whole show into this uh, topic. I, the editorial wasn't against the kids, um, I didn't believe. I think, you know, it's been called mean-spirited and a lot of other things in our letters to the editor column. It did point out the idea that, that uh, you know, at the maximum, and I realize that the, the maximum is not going to need to be raised, this is going to be a trip that costs $90,000. And the point that was made was... Um, you know, we, it, it's, it's money that's going to be taken out of other fundraising efforts in the community, and we should consider that. And that, was, that was the point that was made. I'm getting, you know, we are getting uh, widely criticized for, you know, mean-spirited editorial, um, nasty to the kids, you know, an editorial against the kids. It was just the idea behind it was Was it more to, of a food for thought it was type a, of thing? It was to try to provoke some thought. That was what it was, and uh, it certainly has provoked thought. It's pro- provoked a whole lot of letters to the editor, which is great. That's the idea. Yeah, that's how, kind of how I took it. I, that's how I read it, at least, was, uh, uh, you know, consider this. Um, and I think about that a lot. Um, this caller brought up the topic of sports. And I often, you know, I'm not a big sports fan. We've talked about this before. I'm just, it just doesn't happen to be my area of interest. But And so I often look at all the resources that go into um, sporting venues and, and coaches' salaries and, 
and all the other things that it takes to run a successful uh, program and and compare that with some of the other needs in our community. And and so I think that this is you can frame you can frame this topic in that same way. Right. Sure. So anyway, that's my response to it, uh, Marvant. I, I hope that's sufficient. Okay, thank you. Thank I was you. not calling it mean spirited. No, you weren't today. <laughs> you weren't but, today. Uh, we had a letter writer in the paper that called it that. Right. Day. Since you folks had uh, were supporting sports to such a great degree, uh, you shouldn't uh, you shouldn't deny things like educational trips. Well, and you know we 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 support uh, a lot of other you know educational mm-hmm. ventures, trips, and Mini everything else. Festival. I think the the point, and again, I'm probably going to just get myself deeper and deeper into this, but the point is that people that. Uh, you know, those high school teams that people are paying a, to go watch for the entertainment of it, the players on the teams then aren't taking the proceeds and going to Europe on a trip. No, they're going to places like Martinsville and uh, <laughs> right. Ellettsville, which are a lot less educational. Well, I, I would, I would uh, agree with that. That's for sure. All right. Uh, thanks a lot for the call. Thank and you. we have, let's go to this email before we go back to the phones. Email? You might want to give the phone numbers again. Okay. It's 855-0811-877-285-9348 and noon at indiana.edu. We're off to a rousing start. Yeah, we are. And I think uh, this we're going to keep on rolling. This is another um, HT type of question. Uh, this morning's HT publishes a letter which says that the applicants to IU need not apply SAT or GPA scores, nor uh, a list of their senior year courses. A counselor in the IU admissions office reached by phone this morning says that IU requires SAT or ACT along with GPA and information about the senior year courses. I guess I wonder why you printed the letter. Uh, regarding this is the, regarding uh, IU admission denied that IU's applications have surged is surprising. Its application webpage is aesthetically unappealing and uninviting. That letter. Uh, yeah, well, I, I appreciate that question. Um, you know, letters. Uh, how do I want to put this? I don't we, know. We don't. You know. That's we, why I'm not the editor. We, we we should do a better job of verifying the facts in every letter. It's just not possible. And, it, you know, we, we – I, I – I won't use we. I'll use I have a very um, liberal policy in terms of what letters we're going to publish and which ones we aren't because I figure the, the debate will go on in the letters column. That's one that, um, you know, I, if that fact is incorrect, it probably shouldn't have been published that way. But uh, in order to, to turn letters around and get them in in a hurry, we don't – you know, we don't have somebody sitting around whose job is to be a fact checker on every fact in the letters. It's a it's a, a robust debate and discussion in the letters column. And something that simple, um, you know, a simple statement like that, uh, I should have caught it, should have verified it, should have held the letter until I had got some further information. But it just doesn't happen uh, every time. So that's my response. To All that. right. Phil is next. Phil. Hello, Phil. This is. This is um, uh, not in the context of the discussion you've just had. Terrific. That's good. We're glad. <laughs> I was curious uh, overall about the continued health or the continued, let's say, economic health of uh, the newspaper industry and the communication industry itself. It, it just has appeared to me uh, in recent years that there's been... A, uh, let's say a significant uh, diminishment of resources available to the local radio and newspaper venues for news, and I was uh, would like to hear your opinions uh, and your forecast. You know, th- we could do an entire program on this. And as a matter of fact, yesterday mm-hmm. um, I-, I mentioned Mary Catherine has a new job for leadership, Bloomington, Monroe County, and I was one of uh, four people who were involved in a discussion about media mm-hmm. yesterday at uh, the Monroe County Public Library. It's, you know, we could do a, hours and hours. I could talk for hours and hours on this. Uh, the changes in the, in the media landscape today are uh, rapid and dramatic um, in terms of, of local resources that we have. You know, I can speak uh, for the Herald Times and just say, you know, we're, we're doing fine. I mean, we're we're still a profitable company. We're doing just fine. I think that uh, our newsroom is roughly the same size it was five years ago. It actually grew a little bit, and we've backed off a little, just a little bit. But it's about the same size as it was five years ago. We still have, um, you know, the, the same size budget or larger budget to to 
spend on news gathering and uh, you know what we're trying to do as all newspapers are trying to do is figure out you know how we um, devote or how we how we allocate our resources between print and online and and not just online but um, you know RSS feeds every kind of uh, every kind of way that we can distribute news and information so we're a reporter um, Five years ago, I had to worry about going out with a notebook or maybe a tape recorder, getting a story, coming back, put it in the paper. Now he or she has to worry about um, maybe shooting some pictures to go with it that we can put with a story on the web, maybe shooting some video or getting somebody out there to shoot some video, uh, taping something to get some audio. To Including put it on a blog, possibly. Maybe putting it on a blog. You know, our, our sports reporters now... Um, start reporting on the game as soon as they get to the um, the arena, and they don't stop until their stories are done afterwards. So they're updating things as they go along. Um, the amount of competition in terms of news gathering, you know, we're still, you know, we still have a big news gathering operation, but there are a lot of people that are presenting news in one way or another on websites throughout the community, uh, different niche publications. Um, so, you know, what the future is, is anybody's guess. But we're all trying to sort of grapple with that and figure it out. You know. Yeah, uh, I thought our discussion yesterday was interesting. Um, we had a professional from Hirons um, who was part of the panel. And uh, it's just amazing the, the number of news outlets and options that are available to people now and the, the very rapid speed with which those outlets have grown and change. And um, if you're not in the loop, you miss a whole line of communication mm-hmm. that uh, might be something that's very valuable to you right. if you only knew about it. Uh, you know, I was in on a discussion. Obviously, this is a very interesting topic to me. I was in on a discussion in 1998 or 99, so eight or nine, no, seven or eight years ago, eight or, eight or nine years ago, um, about the way that this trend was already starting, mm-hmm. and it was a discussion in Minneapolis uh, with a lot of other newspaper editors and folks. And one of the speakers was from the Mayo Clinic. And essentially, uh, that speaker was there to tell us that he and the Mayo Clinic were already our competition because they were providing news and they were also getting advertisers. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that was eight or nine and years like ago. In like a newsletter form? Is that what he was No, on their website. To? Oh, website. Okay. Mm-hmm. On a website. So, uh, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a fascinating topic to me. And it's if I don't have the answers for what's going on. But I think locally... You know, there are as many news gatherers and we have as many boots on the ground, as they say, mm-hmm. from the HT as, as we have uh, typically had. Um, the radio stations around here have for a long time been um, devoid of a lot of reporting. I mean, there are a few reporters, late radio reporters. Um, you know, this station, of course, being affiliated with NPR, does – um, a lot, they, they do some more in-depth features mm-hmm. and, and, you know, Will, of course, does a great job. Um, the commercial radio stations try, a couple of them try, um, and I applaud their efforts. But, you know, if with a one-person news department or something, it's very difficult to do. Right, so, so many hours in the day. Anyway, that's my long-winded answer to that, Phil. So thanks a lot for the call. Let, let's move on to uh, – G- Oh, well, we were going to move on to Joe, but he hung up. I guess I talked too long. <laughs> well, give the numbers again. That's, uh, give All right, 855 and noon at This is a noon edition. I'm Bob Zaltzberg from the Herald Times along with Mary Catherine Carmichael. And we don't have any guests except for... You all out there. Each other. Y'all right, <laughs> out there. So, we, you know, we have many topics that we could talk with you about other than the newspaper. Uh, I, I, you know, I'll always answer questions about the paper, but that's not the design of this program. But uh, we could talk about the State of the Union, State of the State, State of the City. Actually, we were hoping to have a program today um, talking with people from the hosp- Bloomington Hospital and Anthem about that situation. But uh, we couldn't get the guests to come on. Uh, Will would have to explain that. I don't really know okay. exactly how that happened. Um, you know, I used funding requests before the state legislature, outsourcing, privatizing the lottery, you know, the Iraq war, any number of things. Search for a new president of IU. Mary Catherine's new job. 
<laughs> well, I think we've covered whatever, that. Whatever you want to talk about. <laughs> I've got a couple emails. All right. All right. Here's the first one. Several large companies have begun to negotiate directly with medical service providers rather than continue to line the pockets of out-of-town insurance executives of companies like Anthem. Indiana University has the size and the wherewithal to take on this sort of task as a real-world exercise for MBA students in the business school, if nothing else, might get those people off the outsourcing train of thought for a while. Have you heard of any sentiment locally to cut out the rich middlemen in this local dispute? Um, I don't know that I haven't heard anything directly. It wouldn't surprise me at all if there was a lot of discussion going on in various companies um, because it's such a mess. Yeah. You know, if, I, don't, I don't pretend to understand it all, but, you know, there are people who are making a lot of money on health care. There's still a lot of people making a lot of money on health care. And, um, you know, the insurance companies, the, the d- debate, I wish we could have had the folks from the hospital and Anthem talk to us today about, you know, their issues because, of course, a lot of people are <clears throat> very concerned about what might happen there. Sure. So it's what have you heard? A lot of people. I, I have not had my ear to the ground on this topic, so I don't really have much to add. I'm afraid. Yeah. Sorry, I can't be more help here. But, I mean, the Indiana University, of course, is a uh, Anthem is the – insurance company mm-hmm. and the Herald Times is the same way. So we're all eager to figure out what's going on with that. Right. So, do you right. want to hear the next email? That we I had? sure do. All right. Uh, in the past month, the HT has published two reader-generated allusions to exciting new curbside recycling programs or, or opportunities, rather, in Bloomington. And that is uh, the ability to recycle uh, one through seven plastics plus plastic bags. I think the like the kind you get at the grocery and Target and whatnot. Uh, one of these was in Hotline, the other one in a letter to the editor. Yet the city has not announced these new opportunities, nor has the HT followed up. Uh, why is it such a potentially important topic being marginalized by both the city and the HT? Could the HT at least do a story on why the city has not officially announced this new opportunity? Sure, we could do that. Um, yeah, I don't think that anything in Hotline is being marginalized. I don't have that Hotline item in front of me, so I don't know. I read what, it. What, yeah, I, uh, but that's the best read column in the newspaper. So <laughs> I don't think things in Hotline are, are being marginalized. I, I do understand the sentiment of the uh, of the questioner. Um, you know, recycling is a is a big issue. And I was at a public works. I was at the beginning of a public works meeting. Um, I guess it was Tuesday night, and it looked like they were doing a rollout of that um, at that meeting because I noticed uh, it looked like somebody had their recycling there. But in fact, it was um, examples of there was a recycling bin, and then the different types of plastics with the the kind the numbers of of what kind they were one through seven on there. So I I haven't seen a, a broadcast of that on cats um, or or bee cat or whichever one. I get those all confused. Cats. But cats, okay, uh, right. Well, anyway, um, but that might have been the official rollout. Out by the city, I wouldn't be surprised. We'll follow up. I appreciate the uh, question. We will follow up on that and see what we can find out. Okay. Anything else? Well, I don't know. I mean, I think that we <clears throat> are kind of, uh, we've got to talk about this really unfortunate situation regarding uh, the young man, Wade Steffi, who's um, come up missing. Mm-hmm. Um, it, yeah, it's. It, I was talking with one of uh, our my colleagues on our staff today about it and she said you know it just makes her have to sit down every time she thinks about it mm-hmm. you know again it's you know we just came through six years of mm-hmm. the Jill Beerman situation and you know it's horrible and tragic and you know it's just been a couple of months since the end of that trial and mm-hmm. here we have another young man who's missing we don't know what's happened to him mm-hmm. but that's exactly the way the Jill Beerman case started. Right. Too. You just have that sick feeling in your stomach. Oh, no, not again. Yeah. So, I, you know, I don't, I don't know. I, I know we're, uh, you know, we're trying to follow it fairly closely, uh, very closely. Well, I, I like that it's continued to be on the front page because I think it's worthy of front page news. And, um, you know, that's my two cents. Worth. Yeah. Well, it's, I, I agree with that. I mean, I, it's such a, a tragic and horrible um, story to think about, to think about what, mm-hmm. what might be going on and, so, uh, you know, the fact that the, there are a lot of searches and a lot of people in Bloomington, of course, have, have joined in the searches and are um, helping in any way they can. We're going to have an interview with the parents in the paper tomorrow. Um, I'm sure they'll have uh, a lot of interesting things to say, you know, and, and I can't imagine what they're feeling and what they're thinking. No, I yeah. can't either. So that's, you know, another one of those <clears throat> stories that we could talk about. 
Um, well, yeah. So what are you going to say? I mean, we. I guess we kind of acknowledge. Yes, acknowledge. I think it. that's the important thing in this situation. Right. We don't have anything too brilliant to add to the <laughs> discussion. I guess. No. All right. Eight five five zero eight one one is the local phone number. Eight seven seven two eight five nine three four eight from outside of the Monroe County Bloomington calling area. And noon at indiana.edu is our email address. And, you know, we're, we talk a lot. Mary Catherine and I both are based in Bloomington. We, we talk a lot about Bloomington and Monroe County and IU issues. Mm-hmm. But if you're from outside of the area and want to talk about uh, state, national issues, international issues, whatever. Sure. We'll be happy to talk we'll, about We'll it. take a stab at it. Yeah, we'll take a stab <laughs> at it. Well, I think, you know, I want to hear what. We haven't even talked about the Super Bowl yet. Oh, no. The Super Bowl is, I, well, you know, that's sports. And sometimes on, you know, we get hey. blasted about sports on this show. But now, this I mean, is it's, a it's very exciting. Event. It is a cultural event. And it's very exciting that the Colts and, and the Bears with Rex Grossman are going to be in the Super Bowl. I can't remember a Super Bowl that's had such local appeal. No. This is huge. We saw that we talked on the way in about um, there were, uh, an article about a, a company in Indianapolis that will be uh, giving their employees mm-hmm. Monday following the Super Bowl off. Yeah. And I wonder if you've heard of anybody else around uh, planning to do the same. No, I haven't heard of anybody around who's going to do that. But I would, you know, highly recommend that the Herald Times do it. No, I'm just <laughs> – just kidding. We'll have a paper the next yeah. day. We actually are sending Lynn Hauser, one of our reporters, to the Super Bowl uh, with the uh, expressed instructions to get things that we wouldn't normally get from the AP wire. So he's going to be oh, down I there looking for – instructions were going to be to stay sober. Well, that goes without saying. Oh, OK. I told him I didn't – he's going to do a blog. <laughs> yeah. I said no blogging after midnight. OK. You know, so <laughs> we want to be careful with that. Um, but, you know, there, it's such a spectacle and I think that, that – uh, it's our opportunity to get a little inside look at the spectacle. You know, it, mm-hmm. it doesn't make a lot of sense for us to send somebody down there to do a game story and talk to all the players about the advanced stuff, unless we're going to talk to, you know, the Bears' defensive end, who you probably can't pronounce his name, but it's Adewale Ogunlia. Well, who, you would be right. Who played for Indiana University, and um, I might also. This is like promotion day for me. We have a column by uh, an IU English professor, Linda Charnas, who had him in class. It's going to run in our Sunday paper. It's really a very nicely done column. Um, but you know, he'll, he'll be trying to get angles like about him and about Rex Grossman mm-hmm. and about the fans from Bloomington and Indianapolis who mm-hmm. are down there and just sort of the spectacle of the thing. So. You talk about an interesting allocation of resources, the amount of money that the Super Bowl tickets, I think face value on, well, I'm sure it's all over the board, but I know some of them sell for around $600 face value. Mm-hmm. And and I, I, get, I guess $5,000 is not unusual now for them to trade for Five thousand dollars. It's a little. You much know, there for me. is a lot of disposable income about there. Think out of there. how many students we could send to Europe traveling for that. <laughs> you brought that on yourself. Now. I know, but it would be a much better <laughs> use than buying a ticket to the Super Bowl. I am being totally uh, serious when I say that. All right, let's go to the phones. Mike is next. Mike. Hey Z. Yeah, hi Mike. <laughs> how how you doing? Oh, we're doing fine. How are you? Well, you brought up one of my favorite subjects, uh, health care in Bloomington. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it's been yeah. Your, you've been on that bandwagon for a long been, time. I've been on it for a long time. This is Mike uh, Heffron, our former general manager at the HC. Oh, okay. Hi, Mike. You've been uh, out of Mike, very good. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm interested in, uh, have you researched, are there any websites of these other hospitals in the area of Bloomington size that are to be compared uh, and you know, the trouble I see is in the in the report so far, it's claim counterclaim without any verification of the of the facts, whether a nine percent rate increase by the hospital is justified, whether Anthem has the right to ask to not have duplicated services by the hospital going into other areas. I mean, these are all it's it's a whole system systemic problem on the, on the issue, and I just and to find the facts on it's very difficult. Yeah. I wondered what you you found or if you knew if there's anything even the uh, HCO online, online possibly lining up links to all these hospitals and stuff so we can check it out ourselves. Yeah, I think that's a really good idea. I mean, we're, we're, we're in the process of trying to, to gather a lot of that information together. Um, you know, there, the hospitals, um, yeah, the increases in the, in the area uh, and how they compare to that 9% increase would be very interesting to find out. Um, I, just finding out how many other hospitals or if any other hospitals are, 
are having this kind of difficulty in negotiations with Anthem would be interesting to find out. So, yeah, there's there's a lot a lot of room for more reporting on this issue. That's for sure. Well, I'm just saying there's very few entities that get away with a nine percent rate increase. Period. Yeah, that's true. In any way, shape, or form. Yep. Absolutely. Uh, and and that just seems excessive. And at the moment of of uh, truth uh, of negotiation, here it comes, and that you know that changes the whole ballgame. Yep. And they'll say, of course, we didn't want to sit, talk, talk talk price until we got these other issues. Yeah. Resolved. Well, well you know, I wish we could have had the folks on from the hospital today and or right, an anthem. And you know, the, there's a lot about this story that's really interesting, and, and timing is is very strange because, of course, Monroe Hospital just opened and mm-hmm. they've right. signed with Anthem. So right, it'd be interesting to know how those two contracts compare. Yeah, even. yeah. I don't know if that's available or not since Monroe's private and yeah. Bloomington is also, I suppose. Right, right. Well, good food for thought. All right. Anyway, yeah, my, my favorite, uh, my favorite topic. Yeah. Right. Okay. <laughs> Let's see you later. And you try out oh, one more thing. Yes, sir. Uh, the trouble is, people should negotiate health care when they're well, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. not when they're ill. That's, that's absolutely true. Yeah, so all you well people out there, negotiate. Okay. Right. All right, Mike. Yeah, Thanks bye. a lot for the call. All right, we're gonna we've hit break time, so let me give the phone numbers before we go back to the phones because we have a couple more callers. But eight five five zero eight one one eight seven seven two eight five nine three four eight and noon at indiana dot edu. You're listening to Noon Edition. We'll be right back. You're listening to Noon Edition on member supported WFIU. Production support comes from Closets 2, providing organized and expanded closet and storage space for home office and garage, using a variety of systems with no major renovations. Closets 2, owned and operated in Bloomington, 332-2233. And from South Dunn Street Project, represented by Brian Lappin Real Estate, classic bungalow-inspired architecture in the Bryan Park neighborhood of Bloomington, www.southdunnstreet.info. Saturday from 10 to 4, Make Your Voice Heard. It's a lobbying workshop at the Monroe County Public Library. The Brown County YMCA is having a sixth birthday open house Saturday from 10 to 2. In Columbus, it's the Empty Bowl Soup and Soul, offering a tasty and entertaining way to combat hunger. There's dinner, a concert featuring the IU Soul Review, and that's at 5.30 Saturday in the Commons. In Terre Haute, the Community Theater of Terre Haute, is presenting Hello, Dolly. More about these and many other items on our website at wfiu.indiana.edu. Welcome back to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Zaltzberg from the Herald Times, along with Mary Catherine Carmichael, and we're taking uh, calls about any number of topics today. If you have questions or comments, you can phone us at 855-0811 or 877-285-9348. Or you can send an email to noon at indiana.edu. Yeah, if you missed our first intro, this is one of our call-in shows. We we do them about twice a year, I think. About twice a year. Yeah. Yeah. We take suggestions for future topics. We We love that. We do. We take suggestions. We take comments on any kind of public issues. Um, You know, I said before the show started, and I'll say it again, you know, I – Talk about the newspaper any time, any place, but we would prefer on this program it wasn't all about the newspaper. But we'll just – whatever. Okay. Mary Catherine's answering all those questions if they come in. <laughs> They'll be short answers. All right. Let's go, let's go to Betsy. Betsy? Oh, hi. Hi. Um, my, uh, my question is, uh, refers back to the earlier one on recycling. And um, I live in the area between Bloomington and Ellisville, so I don't have mm-hmm. curbside recycling. And – um, according to the hotline item, it seemed like uh, that uh, that we wouldn't have anywhere to take our things. I, I, I take my trash now to the Ellisville place. Um, but I'm just wondering, if you do look into this story and try to find out more information, I wonder if that's a question you could ask, why we can't take them to the recycling centers, the rural ones. Yeah, what, what can't you take to the recycling center? These, we these can only take one of... and two plastic. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. So I would love to take all those other one yeah. through seven, of which there are oodles. Yeah. Do you ever um, try the one um, by the animal shelter? Do you go there? Well, yeah, but I, I don't know if that one will take one through seven now because it sounded like it was just curbside. But 
maybe I'm wrong. Hmm. Yeah. Well, well, that will be interesting to find out more yeah. about. They've and, been so yeah. they're so easy to work with there. And oh, they are. Um, oh, I know. I've gone there a just, lot. Yeah. And I I would imagine that if anybody would accept that kind of thing, you know, especially if they're already doing car- curbside, I would just imagine that they would take that. It would be great to get a call from it, somebody about that. Y- it would be. So if you do look into it for okay. a story, you know, check that part out too. All right. <laughs> we will. You. Thanks a lot, Betsy. Bye. Uh, you know that recycling center. I, I've been doing these. I, I did a column early in the year about some of Bloomington's treasures mm-hmm. and some of the things that have sprung up from nothing. And um, that's one. I don't know if it would be classified as a as springing up from nothing because the solid waste district was formed and all that. Right. But when I think about great things in Bloomington, I actually think about that recycling center. That you know, you, you it's, would it's think about you know running your things to the recycling center as a mm-hmm. drudgery. Uh-huh. But it's a, I've always had a very pleasant experience there. The people. <laughs> Just go out of their way to be helpful. Um, if you have something that's bulky, or you, even if you don't need help, they come over and help, you know offer at least oh, to help. And um, they have managed to minimize the red tape for for yeah. dropping off um, potentially dangerous items, um, be it prescription medicine or paint or or other chemicals. Syringes. That you might, oh, I haven't had to do that. Actually, we well, we had a cat with diabetes, so oh, yeah. we had to always take our syringes out there yeah. after we did. We don't have a cat anymore, but but they're great. Oh, well. they and, are. and next door to another treasure, the animal shelter. That's I mean, right. I, they, I think that they've um, wow, they've really come a long way in the last ten years. So right next door to each other. Every time I go in there, I want to take more of them. Yep, home. drop off your recycling and take more pet. animals home. Yep. All right. All right. Let's go to the phones. Jackie's on the line. Jackie. Hello. Hi. Hi. Um, I, I volunteer with the Monroe County Red Cross, and so I've been in a position to see the outpouring of support for the Cane Cross family. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's been wonderful. Yeah. It's a testament to the, the love and caring of the community with the community that we live in. Mm-hmm. And um, But I wanted to point out that you know th- this family was very visible in the media because the, the husband was uh, in Iraq, mm-hmm. and it was a big story on the TV stations up in Indianapolis, okay. and, and everyone knew about it. Um, but, you know, we have a lot of families who have similar circumstances and conditions with the Red Cross, who the, the, the general public never finds out about. And so, you know, it, it would behoove all of us if, if we could get some more exposure and if people would uh, pay a bit of attention to what the Red Cross is dealing with all the time. Yeah, that's a great, that's a great point and a great comment, Jackie. Would you um, sort of walk us through what happens if there's a, you know, aside from the Cane Cross family, if there's a, a house that uh, burns in the community? we have house fires uh-huh. throughout uh, Monroe and Owen counties. Um, and, you know, it, it's, it's always a shock and a traumatic experience mm-hmm. for the victims. Um, the Red Cross uh, is called upon by the emergency responders, and we send a disaster action team out to each of those fires. And uh, it's made up of volunteers like myself. And um, we, we rush out there as fast as we can with our, our Red Cross vehicles and, and try to um, uh, help uh, support the firefighters as well as the victims. And the victims are, are you know, usually um, in emotional turmoil. And yes. they, um, they, they need clothes, they need food, they need a place to stay, and they haven't thought about this because you don't expect a fire. Sure. And so, you know, it requires some resources for us to do that, and the the Red Cross in Monroe County isn't affluent. (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. uh, Yeah. You know, so if, if, if people would consider... You know, helping in that effort, we have enough people to to go out right now and, and do the the um, the activity of helping them. But a lot of times we run short on resources. Could you uh, just offer a phone number if people want to help? They can give you a call. Of course, three three two seven two nine two. All right. And what, what, what kind of resources are you running short of? Funding. Ah, okay. <laughs> All right. Good to that. That's what I wanted Good to know. To know. <laughs> Thank you. All right, Jackie. Thanks a lot for the call. That's a great call. Yeah. 855-0811-877-285-9348 and noon at indiana.edu. We have Melissa from the Recycling Center. Yay. Yay. Did Melissa? you hear your free commercial a minute ago, Melissa? <laughs> I did. Well, I actually didn't get to hear it, but I got the heads up. Thank right. you, guys. All right, sure thing. sure thing. We love you. So, oh, well, thank you. So you're going you're gonna, to uh, explain all of these recycling issues to us, right? Well, I will certainly try. I thank understand you. there was a question about plastics one through seven. Yes, yes. There, there was. Yes. Well, mm-hmm. uh, we are working on trying to develop an infrastructure here at the Recycling Center to start collecting one through sevens. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a little bit of an issue as far as we're concerned about the amount of volume mm-hmm. that it might generate. 
Um, as you guys know, at our rural locations, we um, accept one and two bottles as well as at the recycling center. And the rural sites and the recycling center have limited amount of space. Right. So we're trying to determine on whether or not um, we are going to be collecting one through sevens together, whether or not we're going to need a separate container for three through sevens, oh, uh, whether yeah. we may just collect them at the main recycling center because we have a compactor there, which we don't have at the rural locations. Uh-huh. The main recycling center, is that the one on? Uh, South Walnut. Okay, yeah. okay. Yeah, and we do have a plastic compactor here, so I am anticipating beginning to take them soon at the main facility, um, but I'm not sure yet how we're going to handle it at the rural locations. Okay. Ballpark on when you might be able to start doing that? Um, No, not really. Hopefully within, I would say, the next six to eight weeks. Okay. That's good. So sometime in the spring, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Okay. We won't hold you to it, but (laughs) but I'm sure you'll let us know at the newspaper when you're going to do that. Yes, we will. There's so much trickle down that I don't think that people really... Uh, take into consideration as far as how bulky the plastics are. We want to make sure and get all of our steps put together with educating the public. We'll ha- it'll affect our brochures. It'll affect the website. Uh-huh. We'll have to have new signs made. So there's just a lot of trickle down to it that we have to take mm-hmm. into consideration. Well, I think we'll do, I'm going to do Will Murphy's job and play producer now and say that we'd like to have you on as a guest sometime in the spring. Well, we'll that'd be great. We'll I talk about recycling. That. That yeah, we, ha- we haven't done that for no, a while. No, we haven't. Well, we, we haven't. think you do a great Great job, Melissa, and thank you so much for calling in and uh, telling us what we needed to know. Well, thank you so much for uh, having me on, and I would love to be a guest sometime. Okay. Thank you. Thanks, Melissa. All right. Hope Betsy heard that. Betsy is our caller, so hopefully she's still listening to us. All right, 855-0811-877-285-9348 and noon at indiana.edu. I love it when people call with the answers to the questions. I do too. We can't answer. (laughs) It's so efficient, you know, know. to bring up a topic and then get it taken care of all in the same show. And there are a lot of those questions for some reason. Mm -hmm. So, all right. So so you've been following the legislature? What's the issue in the legislature that interests you? Well, there are there are several. Um, I'm uh, I'm interested in full day kindergarten, not as a consumer, uh, but um, just as an observer. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I know. This... I think it's a more complicated issue. I, I think saying full day kindergarten sounds, you know, it's easy to be, be gung ho about that and just assume that's a great idea. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm a little more skeptical. Um, I think. Um, there, there are, you know, other issues involved with that. And, right. and I think, you know, as long as it's optional, it's a, a good idea. But I think um, that it's – I think at that tender age, it needs to remain optional. Right. Okay. That's my own little opinion about right. that, not that it matters. But and, you're following that issue, though. Yeah, I am. I am. What about yeah. you? What are you interested in? Well, there are a lot of issues uh, that involve higher education and IU. Mm-hmm. I, and the two – The whole funding thing. Yeah, the funding thing and the privatizing the lottery to provide yes. more funding. I actually – I wrote an editorial about this so I can offer my opinion again. But I, I don't have any problem with privatizing the lottery. I think of all the things that could be privatized, having a private company operating gaming in the state as we have private companies doing – you know, gaming at, at the casinos and the horse tracks. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think there's any problem with that. If you know, and the money would go, the upfront money would go toward um, improving higher education, which I think is necessary. Does the aspect of uh, kind of eating your seed corn on this cause you any concern? Um, not particularly. I mean, I think that the one concern I would have is is whether the companies that came in would then um, you know want to expand gambling down the road. But I think that the the way the bill's written, if I'm not mistaken, you know, has some uh, expectations for for continued funding to come in from mm-hmm. those, from the the privatize the company that privatizes it. So it's not all the money that will be up front. I don't Aren't think. pull tabs um, worked into something? Some bill right oh, now? Oh gosh, too? I really don't know. Well, yeah, I think I think I they know. might be. Uh, I, you know, I, I'm I'm observing that more from the standpoint of the higher education funding, I guess, yeah. than, mm-hmm. than what would happen with gambling. What, what chances do you give this for going through? Uh, I'll, I'll probably know more after I go to Third House on Sunday night mm-hmm. and listen to what they have to say about it. Yeah, and it changes so quickly. And this is a long session. So, right. you know, I, I get tickled because I really – I don't – I don't pay a whole lot of yeah. attention until later on in the session because it's so fluid. Right. Um, there's no point in getting too worked up 
from my standpoint, I'm not a I'm not a lobbyist. I'm not sure. a legislator. So um, although <laughs> I think you're married every, to one, I am. But I think it. Uh, I th- but I but I do think, of course, every citizen can lobby. I'm not I'm not saying that. Yeah, you know, right. you can just sure. blank on the whole thing. I'm not trying to suggest that at all. But but I don't get too worked up about it until things get the dust settles a little bit right. and those folks have a chance to work among themselves and and get some of these things in a more um, coherent form. They're making sausage now. You know, it's kind of that sausage making thing. Yeah, it really is. It really is. <laughs> it took me All a minute right. to yeah, picture I know, that. I, know. <laughs> I had to get the visual, but now I'm there. All right, let's go back to the phones and go to Rosemary. Rosemary? Hello. Hi. I have um, a question about language. I'm interested in keeping our language as well used as it possibly can be. Uh-huh. And two things recently that are sticking in my craw. One is the term, he went missing. He has uh-huh. been missing is far more accurate. He, it's like he went to the grocery store. Mm-hmm. He didn't voluntarily go missing. He has been. The other one is the number of times that people have referred to Nancy Pelosi as the first woman Speaker of the House. You would not refer to a male as being the first man Speaker. <laughs> she true. is the first female Speaker. Yeah, that's absolutely true. And I think uh, you know, I'm, I'm with you on that one. The first one on he went missing, you know, technically, I, I certainly agree with you uh, grammatically. It sounds bad. Yeah, but I think it's become sort of colloquial. I know, uh, and know. it shouldn't. Yeah. I, no oh. argument here. Okay. I'll, I'll Rosemary, talk. you weren't an English teacher were, by any chance, were you? I wasn't a what? An English teacher by any chance, no, were you? No, I wasn't. Mary well, then <laughs> even better that you're concerned about this. Good for you. <laughs> well, I, I, language is one of my prime concerns, is it should be everyone. It should be. You're right. Right. All right. Okay. Thanks. Sure. Appreciate the call. Boy, was I scared. I thought she was going to point I out something, something really said. dumb we had said. Uh-uh. Oh, we've still got 10 minutes. <laughs> Could happen. <laughs> Plenty of time. All right. We have another call. Let's go to Jane. Jane? Hello. Hi. Hi. I have yet another question and clarification about the recycling. Okay. I was actually the sender of the first email. I hope Melissa's oh, okay. listening. Yeah. Um, what I'm con- confused about is I think the curbside recycling initiative is entirely separate from the um, waste management facility, um, that they're doing something that their policies are not the same. That's correct. Mm-hmm. And I just want to make correct. sure I think that some listeners might have gotten confused and okay. thought, oh, the city is not taking one through seven when in fact they are. Yeah, okay. I, yeah, no, I, I appreciate that. That's a good clarification because uh, Melissa and the Recycling Center uh, are not the people that do the curbside recycling. That's the city of Bloomington. Okay. So, Great. But, well, it good. seems like there's a need for a story about this. Yeah, I think you're right. Okay. <laughs> I think you're right. Thank you very much. Okay. Thanks. Bye. Bye. All right, 855-0811-877-285-9348 and noon at indiana.edu. We do have about 10 minutes to go. All right, I've got, I've got several emails okay, so go. if you don't have anybody on hold. I don't. All right. Uh, this is about the turn lane at 10th and the bypass. Uh, it begins, I asked some official with the street department this question on your show a couple of years ago, but still no action. Why does the right-hand lane at the corner of 10th and the bypass have a curb when obviously many people still drive into the far right lane? Uh, far right side to turn at this corner. He didn't even act like he understood the location, yet there is even a shopping center by that name at that corner. It would take an, only a few thousand dollars to make a major improvement in traffic flow. We're going to leave this one with Will Murphy to give to the mayor when the Ask the Mayor program is on with Mark Rosan or whoever the city representative is at the next Ask the Mayor opportunity. All right. And I think this one might be along the same vein, but... Um, it's a topic that a lot of people are very interested in. It's about leaf collection. Uh, it says, is the city serious about leaf collection? First pickup in our neighborhood was the week before Christmas. Second is not until the second week of February. Surely it doesn't take a Ph.D. in ecology to know that the leaves don't fall on that sort of schedule. <laughs> well, well, that's a, no, they don't fall on no? that schedule. And I, you know, I can't answer that either. We've given up on the leaf 
collection at our house. We bag them in the yeah. in the free bags that you can pick up at the at the fire stations. You know, this year we went with the uh, IU chapter of Habitat for Humanity. Had them come over, rake the leaves, get them out to the side. It's great for a donation. They'll do that. Are you kidding? No, it's great. I didn't even know about that. Oh yeah, yeah. But uh, we'll, we're going to leave this one for Ask the Mayor as well. Leaf okay. collection for Ask the Mayor. All right, I'm making a note for that. Go right. for one more. Then I've got a phone call to break in with. Okay, so. um, on March nine. 9- Yeah, of 2007, all Indiana public assistant caseworkers and clerical support staff will no longer be employed by the state of Indiana, but by the private vendor ACS. No one has indicated this to the clients, the community social service agents or the community social service agencies. I'm sorry, this is not been printed very well. Um, How ACS and the state will be operating and delivering vital public assistance services to applicants and clients. No one in the media seems to be asking this question why. So I guess that the clients and social service agencies have not been fully informed according to this writer. Yeah, I I don't know... uh... I don't have an answer to that, except I do. You know, I do know that's another one of the uh, governor's privatization um, initiatives, and I know knew it was coming. And there's certainly great debate over whether it's going to be a more efficient system or not. And um, you know, we'll, we can certainly help put that on the agenda also for trying to ask more questions about that. Yeah, I like what Vice Simpson says about. Uh, privatization, and she says privatization doesn't necessarily mean it's better. Mm-hmm. And so I think that there are more hard questions to be asked. Oh yeah, and you know we haven't even gotten into outsourcing at IU, which is privatization too. Right. Maybe we will well, in the next exactly. six or eight minutes. But okay. first, we're going to the phone and Natalie. Natalie. Yes, I'm here. Hi. Um, I have a comment on the, the full day kindergarten. Sure. What seems to have been lost in all this discussion. Um, is the fact that the tuition will fall on the parents. Uh, for very low-income families, they will be provided for. But there's a big difference between being very low-income and being able to afford the additional tuition. Mm. Um, uh, can you explain that to me? I thought, uh, I guess I'm not as well-versed on the full-day kindergarten issue as as I should be, but uh, when you say the, the tuition, you mean an additional? That the state is not planning to... Uh, you know, when children go to first grade and from there on, uh, there are sure. various fees, but right. there isn't tuition. Uh-huh. But for kindergarten, there is. There will be a payment. Oh. Hmm. Um, and very, very low-income people um, will be provided for. But as I said, there's a, there's a great gap there between being able to afford it and being given it. So that's as the, le- the legislation is written right now. Is that, is that what you're saying? The legislation, yeah, it's, you know, they're going to start with um, those schools that have um, a great preponderance of free lunch students mm-hmm. uh, and move on from there. Um, but um, I, it, it's over $1,000 a year. Hmm. That, would, that would be, uh, yeah, that would be a difficult well, again, I would wonder if that is simply yeah. as the legislation is currently written, right. and I would say again that it's early in a long session. Um, but it's an excellent point, and I appreciate you bringing that up because it does certainly add another uh, dimension to the discussion and another um, aspect of it to consider. So thank you for it's bringing another, that another up. show we could have. Yeah, it really is. on full day kindergarten. Yeah, thank you, Natalie. All right, okay. thanks. Thanks. Thanks for All right, one more phone call before we uh, probably shut off the phones and go back to the email. So okay. Steve is next. Steve. Yeah. Hi. I wondered if the producers of the show would consider alternating hosts for the show. Uh, for example, you could have a host for the show for a month from the city, somebody from the city, somebody from the university, somebody from like the Bloomington Alternative. This would give us more of a diversity of, of hosts uh, presenting the Bloomington viewpoint. Uh, that would avoid kind of a corporate syndrome that you may have because you're the editor of the HT and uh-huh. also the runner of the show. And there's kind of like a overtones of corporatization there. And then it avoids also the show being known as the AARP Herbal Groovy Hour. We can kind of introduce maybe a little more dynamic with that diversity, and I wondered if that's something that uh, that gets kicked around in meetings and stuff like that. You know, I've never... AARP, Herbal Groovy Hour. <laughs> you know, I don't qualify for AARP. I'm going to issue with that first. I, I, I was having a little fun with that. Yeah, Steve, uh, you know, if... if um, I've never been involved in any meetings about replacing uh, me and Mary Catherine. No, I so. mean, you, you, know, you, know, you would, you would <laughs> maybe do it once a month, or one, one month a year, and the other people would do it the 
rest of the month. Yeah. Well, you know, you could take that up with uh, Christina Kuzmich, the oh, okay. station manager. Ask her. Um, you know, that's we're volunteers. We come here every Friday as volunteers, and uh-huh. we we enjoy it. But okay. uh, if uh, the public thinks otherwise, that'd be up to that'd be up to the public. Yeah. All right. Thanks. All right, Steve. Okay. Thanks a lot for the call. All Thank, right. Thanks for the vote of confidence. <laughs> yeah, I know. What do I feel good about myself right now? Yeah. Let's go with an email. <laughs> Uh, well, this is a big topic for not much time left in the uh, in the show, but I will. I'll go ahead and read it. There have been an unusually large number of early candidates for president. Could you run down the list? I don't know if I can do that off the top of my head. Maybe you can. And point to those who might gain strong support in Bloomington, and which ones have big hurdles on the national political scene. Wow, I think they all have big hurdles on the national political scene at this stage of the game. This is yeah, so early. Talk about early. Well, you know, obviously the the two biggest names in the Democratic Party, I believe, uh, would be Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama, the, sure. those two. I would think both would have a lot of support mm-hmm. in Bloomington from different constituencies. Uh, Dennis Kucinich is already a candidate. Last time he had a committee in Bloomington. Um, Bill, Bill Rich is it Bill Richardson Richardson from New Mexico? Um, who's the? There's oh, I'm forgetting one very obvious one. Oh yeah, uh, John Edwards. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. another Democratic candidate on the Republican side. Uh, you know McCain. John McCain is the one candidate who seems to have some. Traction. Which right now, you know, that just looks like kind of a death wish. Not a de- yeah, literal uh, death wish, but, right. you know, kind of a political death wish yeah. to, to be a Republican um, running for the presidency after after this one right now, just especially in light of our last election. Right. Um, but, you know, uh, things are – life is strange yeah. and uh, things yep. happen. So. Mitt Romney is another Republican. There are others. Uh, there are certainly a lot of others. I think because of Evan Bayh and his interest, I think I've been more tuned into the Democrats. Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't appear that – Evan is going to make a run for it. How you were you surprised at that announcement? No, I wasn't surprised at all. Not after Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama were mm-hmm. in the in the race, and also John Edwards. I mean, he's got name recognition from the last the last credibility campaign. name recognition. Yeah, and uh, Richardson is Hispanic, so that's going to give him a leg up. I, I don't think Evan. I don't know. I mean, I, it just seemed like he had too steep a hill to climb. So he's uh, sitting on a sizable uh, campaign chest, though. So I think he's going to continue to be a player. Yeah, he'll be a player. He might even be a vice presidential player. Mm. Who knows? We'll have to see. But we're out of time. Oh, my gosh. We made it through another one of these open mic shows. And, you know, we had 12, 12 phone calls and several emails. So, you know, we're happy to hear from our listeners and through uh, either one of those ways. So thanks for – So maybe we'll be here next time. Maybe not. We may have somebody from somewhere else doing this show by then. <laughs> I know. All right. Well, thank you again and for Mary thank Catherine you, Carmichael, producer Catherine Hageman, and engineer Mike Pashkash. I'm Bob Zaltzberg. Thanks for listening. Noon Edition is a production of WFIU and The Herald Times.